Well, hello, good evening. I'm just really thankful to be here with all of you. My name is Marsha Horseman, and um, we are talking tonight about the, the uh, chapter that starts in the priesthood of the believer, which is a topic that can sometimes be a little bit intimidating, so I wanted to take a little bit of the mystique out of that for you this evening. Um, this is not really as scary as it sounds, so um, I, what I wanted to say is that we do not have to consider ourselves priest because we have a high priest who is the great high priest of Jesus. We assist him in that role, but we are not priests um, in the same sense that he is a priest, which gives us confidence as we begin to work with people as safe helpers. We can help people in something of a priestly role, but we are not the, the priest. So let me just read you something from Hebrews that talks about Jesus as our high priest. I want to start with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Um, I want to start by just saying that's a really intimidating passage. And we all instinctively know that there is a judgment at the end of time. Even those who are unbelievers at some level are aware that there is judgment coming. And we will have to give an account someday for who we are and what we have done. And that's a very frightening thought. In fact, it's so frightening that many people can't even look at it. Um, I, I think one of the roles that we have as a safe other is to help people understand that this is a true thing. That scripture is very clear that we will give an account to God for what we've done here on earth. And that is all over scripture. Sometimes uh, there are, are churches that want to avoid this topic. And it's too bad because it's a part of the truth of the gospel. So since it's true, we need to be helping people to understand that piece. But um, what we want to do is to walk people through this idea that Jesus is the high priest. So he is there to help us in that moment when we badly need his help in the judgment seat. We are teachers as self as uh, helpers so that we are teaching biblical truth and part of that biblical truth is that we need a savior in that moment when we face the throne of God himself and we will have Jesus there as our high priest it's bad news that we um, are in need of someone to help us at that point but it's good news that we have Jesus we also are teaching the seriousness of sin, that sin is judged. But one of the things that we can do in, in prayer resolution is to introduce to them this legal system of a court, which is kind of a new concept of, of looking at of, of sin, that sin is judged in a court that in heaven that is just as legal as the court that we have here on earth. So when we go down to the local courthouse and we sit in a courtroom with a judge that's wearing a black gown and he's got his gavel, we think of that as a legal system, but we don't always tend to think of the court in heaven having the same kind of a legal uh, law, um, and yet we instinctively know that we will be under that law at some point. I once worked with a lawyer doing prayer resolution as I introduced this this um, system of being held accountable in a court of law he he began to address all of his prayers to our Heavenly Father as your honor and then he would stop himself but that's exactly what it is we are bringing these court cases to the court of heaven um, so Colossians 2.14 actually states that we have a charge of legal indebtedness which stands against us and condemns us. And that's the fear that we all have is that we have this legal indebtedness that cannot be erased. But the good news of the gospel comes right after that in the, in the verse in Colossians. It says, He, Colossians 2.15, 
Jesus has taken it away. This legal indebtedness, charge of legal indebtedness, which we cannot erase. It stands against us, but he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's really good news. And that's the good news that we're sharing with people in prayer resolution. It also continues in that that whole vein in Hebrews 4 as it's talking about our high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among God's people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. That's the really good news of the gospel and that's what we're sharing with people in a very practical way in prayer resolution. So I want to point out that from that passage we learned several things about our high priest. Jesus as high priest helps us to hold very firmly to the faith that we profess. When we are working with hurting people as in prayer resolution, but it's good news that we have Jesus. We also are teaching the seriousness of sin, that sin is judged but one of the things that we can do in, in prayer resolution is to introduce to them this legal system of a court, which is kind of a new concept of, of looking at of, of sin, that sin is judged in a court that in heaven that is just as legal as the court that we have here on earth. So when we go down to the local courthouse and we sit in a courtroom with a judge that's wearing a black gown and he's got his gavel, we think of that as a legal system, but we don't always tend to think of the court in heaven having the same kind of a legal uh, law, um, and yet we instinctively know that we will be under that law at some point. I once worked with a lawyer doing prayer resolution as I introduced this, this um, system of being held accountable in a court of law. He he began to address all of his prayers to our Heavenly Father as your honor. And then he would stop himself. But that's exactly what it is. We are bringing these court cases to the court of heaven. So Colossians 2.14 actually states that we have a charge of legal indebtedness which stands against us and condemns us. And that's the fear that we all have is that we have this legal indebtedness that cannot be erased. But the good news of the gospel comes right after that in the, the, in the verse in Colossians. It says, He, Colossians 2.15, Jesus has taken it away. This legal indebtedness, charge of legal indebtedness, which we cannot erase. It stands against us, but He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's really good news. And that's the good news that we're sharing with people in prayer resolution. It also continues in that, that whole vein in Hebrews 4 as it's talking about our high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among God's people, and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. 
That's the really good news of the gospel, and that's what we're sharing with people in a very practical way in prayer resolution. So I want to point out that from that passage, we learned several things about our high priest. Jesus, as high priest, helps us to hold very firmly to the faith that we profess. When we are working with hurting people as in prayer resolution, we're helping them to clearly, more clearly understand their own faith. Um, sometimes we're actually helping them to come to faith. I've had the occasion many times as someone has come in looking for some uh, help and as I go through the prayer resolution process, it becomes very apparent that they do not know their Heavenly Father as a Heavenly Father. They have not been adopted as sons and daughters. And so that in that, in that um, setting, it's, it's been my privilege very frequently to be able to lead people to a saving knowledge of Him as not only their Lord and Savior, but as their Heavenly Father. Um, we sometimes also loan them courage, just as Jesus, our high priest, has done that. Jesus, as our high priest, empathizes with our weaknesses, we see in that passage. We can do that too. When we walk along somebody as a hurting one, we are fellow humans. We have our own weaknesses, so we can relate to them as we walk with them through this journey. And we need to bring our own empathy into the room. Jesus empathizes with us in such an um, amazing way. And our empathy that we bring into the room with us when we're working with a hurting one is one of the greatest gifts that we bring. But what we're doing is helping them, just as Jesus helps us to approach the throne of grace with confidence. We're doing the same thing as we work with our, our high priest. And we're helping these hurting people. We are loaning them our own confidence. And we'll talk more about that because one of the things that we're bringing with us is our confidence in Jesus as our high priest to help us conquer these things that we cannot conquer on our own. But we're also bringing our confidence in, in prayer resolution to help them understand these things better. And we're bringing in our confidence that prayer resolution works. It works because of the, the good news of the gospel. This is not new information. This is this is just the gospel. And we are bringing it in with hands and feet so that they can understand it in a more tangible way. But it's it's not anything new that we're bringing to the, the prayer resolution process. It's just good old-fashioned gospel. This passage also talks about Jesus as the high priest who is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. We bring our gentleness to the prayer resolution process. We do have to be gentle. Gentleness is what builds that trust, that faith that we're not going to hurt them in this process. And it's, it's the number one ingredient that builds trust is to be gentle. They are bearing their soul in this process. That's hard work. And we need to acknowledge that and be respectful of that fact. So that gentleness is one of the very necessary ingredients. In fact, I would say if you have a hard time being gentle with people, prayer resolution may not be for you. That might be something you um, need to develop before you walk with a hurting person. We act as assistants when we come alongside people going through prayer resolution. We're walking with them, taking them to the Heavenly Father. We are not the high priest. We are bringing them to the high priest so that he can, he can uh, gently lead them to the Heavenly Father. But approaching that throne of grace can be a very frightening thought. So that's what we're doing. We're just accompanying them as they, they go through this process. Actually, there's nothing in the prayer resolution process that is not coming from this very book. This book is, is our guideline. So in a sense, they don't need us. There's nothing that we can do that they can't do themselves. What we're doing is teaching them that they can do this themselves. But we're here to assist them as they go along that journey, to give them the confidence they need, to help them along guiding, guiding the process. We're offering moral support. We also offer perspective. One thing that somebody going through the prayer resolution process all by themselves cannot do is to have 
an objectivity to their own situation that really can help. So that's what we're doing is bringing our objectivity, our sensitivity, our empathy, our confidence. All of those things are things that we need to bring to the table to help them. But one thing that's important to recognize is that as we are not the high priest, we are not the healers. That means we don't get the credit for the healing that they're doing. Um, It also means that we're not responsible for their healing. We are responsible to do the best that we can for them. But uh, they get to choose what they do with this information. And so sometimes they make choices we don't like that they make. And that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be faithful. We do not take responsibility for the results. So how do we function in that priestly role? Some of you out there might be feeling like you're just not qualified to do that. But God says that you are. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we read, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So if you consider yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, you are also part of this priesthood of believers. So you can very well function in this role, even though it maybe sounds a little intimidating. 2 Corinthians 4.17 also says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we are ambassadors in this prayer resolution process. That's exactly what we're doing. We are ambassadors, just like an ambassador of a foreign country kind of represents the king in that country or the president in that country. We get to represent Jesus here on earth so that as um, he is our high priest, we represent him in that role when we're doing the prayer resolution process by accompanying them on this journey. We are acting as an ambassador because God is making his appeal through us in that moment. That's what the each other's of scripture are all about. The New Testament is full of admonitions to us that we would pray for one another, that we would bear one another's burdens, that we would be kind and compassionate to one another, that we would be forgiving of each other, that we would care for one another, and that we would confess our sins to one another. All those each other's of scripture are all about what prayer resolution is about. So even though you may feel like you're not really qualified to be doing this, you are qualified because you're called by the new, uh, very many passages in the New Testament to be doing these each other things for a fellow believer. Um, This last thing I mentioned was confessing your sins to one another. That's very much a part of the prayer resolution process is that we will be offering them opportunities to confess their sins to one another, to uh, to us. And that that can be a very humbling thing for both sides. It can be humbling as a safe other to be listening to someone humble themselves enough to uh, actually confess sins. It's humbling to hear it because we, am, we have our own weaknesses and so uh, it can be very humbling to hear them. I, I don't n- know necessarily that there's many opportunities in the church to confess our sins to one another. It, it can be in some churches. I think the Catholics are are maybe more prone to allowing that to happen and sometimes as Protestants we've thrown out the baby with the wash there. It's very biblical to confess our sins to one another and it's very powerful to see what happens when people are able to do that. Prayer resolution is going to give us some uh, authority in our role. And when we're taking a hurting person through this process, we are acting in some ways in a priestly role which has authority with it. And we need to be careful about that because they can be very dependent on us. And that's appropriate during this process that they would be dependent on us to guide them through the process. They don't 
they don't know what's coming. They don't know what is important. So it's it's on us as safe helpers to be guiding them in in what's next, what's coming, what they need to do. But they will become um, dependent in some ways on you, which is okay in in this process, but it would be inappropriate outside of prayer resolution. So we want to be careful with that authority that we use as we guide them. They will begin to see us as an expert in all things spiritual, which we're not experts in all things spiritual. So we want to make sure that we are fellow believers and, and never wander from that understanding. Um, we do have authority that is real, but we need to remember where that authority comes from. If you recall in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus still maintains all that authority. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we do have authority but it's authority that has been delegated to us from Jesus himself and it it belongs to him and it always belongs to him. So the authority that we use is is one that we um, recognize is real and we use it in the prayer resolution process to build confidence with um, the hurting person. But it's not to become some kind of spiritual guru so I, I guess that's another warning that if you are kind of drawn to having power, be careful about that because you, you're not going to be able to maintain that. It doesn't belong to you. It comes with the role. It, it is not a part of my person or your person. It belongs to the role of a guide in this process. And when prayer resolution is, is done, when we've carried them through each of the topics that we need to carry them through and we come to the end of our prayer resolution process we will be releasing them from our authority and that's appropriate because we've taken that authority in order to guide them in this process but we'll be giving it up at the end so that we will once again be able to just relate to them as as equals I wanted to talk about um, our role as safe others some of what we're doing is just teaching good biblical I'll use the word theology but I I don't mean that we're going to get off into different theological points I just mean the good theology of the gospel what we're doing is helping people understand the good news and why it's so good Uh, as I was teaching this course one time to a pastor a a woman who was a, a seminary trained pastor she said this is just the gospel. Prayer resolution is just nothing more than the gospel. And I said, Amen. That's exactly what it is. We are teaching people to appropriate what it was that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Very specifically. So that when we bring people through the prayer resolution process, they are going to understand the significance of sin, how how um, damaging sin is in our everyday life. But they're also going to be realizing and understanding their salvation in a new way. What did it cost Jesus? What is the cost of sin? How did Jesus defeat that sin? How did Jesus defeat the effects of sin in their life, very specifically? I would say the biggest role that we have as as safe others is to listen. So, uh, how do we listen? First of all, it's, it's a gift. So we're giving them the gift of listening. And if you are someone who has a hard time listening to people, this is something you'll need to develop. Sometimes when we're listening, it's such hard work that when I'm through with a session, I'm, I'm beyond exhausted because I've listened so hard. Not just to what they're saying, but what they're not saying. And people have... Uh, different ways of communicating what they are, are trying to get at. Sometimes they're they're pretty precise in their language. Sometimes they're all over the map. And so you'll need to bring their attention back to the topic at hand. But it can be helpful as we're listening to somebody 
to be taking notes not only in what they're saying but um, maybe starting to jot out some of the things that are pertinent for the issue at hand. Maybe you're, you're, you're listening to them as they relate a story of what needs to be forgiven. You can start writing out your own list of, of what you will bring to the court in the accusation stage. Sometimes uh, a, a technique that's helpful if they're kind of all over the map is to try to like summarize what they're saying in a, in a few sentences uh, or even just restate it in a different word. Or maybe sometimes it's helpful to just ask them, let me just restate that back for you so, I, so that I make sure I understand what you're saying. Are, are you saying this or are you saying that or help me understand what you're feeling. Are you feeling whatever it is? Even if you're wrong and you don't really understand what they're saying, they feel affirmed that you've heard them. And it, even if you're wrong in your understanding of what they're feeling or thinking, um, they can help guide you to exactly what it is that they did mean. But that meaning is... is helpful for them to hear in, in your words that, that you have understood it that you understand what they're they're feeling and by the way it's very affirming to just listen to their story with such interest they may have never told this story to anyone before they have maybe never bared their soul the way they have to you so it's a precious gift to listen to them listening is hard work because we all have our own thoughts that are going on at the same time. But um, listening is a gift that we feel what they are saying is very important and that they are important because of, of what they're telling you. And I want to say just a word here about, about love too. I don't know that you can listen to someone intently without loving them and genuinely caring about them. Sometimes you need to pray for that love, but that love is, uh, it comes across. If they know that you care about them, they will be much more open. We need to remember that this session is about them. It's not about us. So as they're telling us their story, they're bearing their souls and giving us details about uh, the things that we're, we're addressing at that moment. It's really important that it's about them and not about me or you as a self-helper. It can even be helpful sometimes when life is really busy and you're trying to cram a, a session into the middle of a very busy day to just mentally put a bowl outside your office door and it, put your, your mental emotional stuff in that bowl so that when you walk in the door, the session is all about them so that you can invite them to put their stuff in front of the table. It can be easy to sometimes fall into the trap of thinking you want them to think that you relate to what they're saying and so you, you can say things like, I know just how you're feeling. Whereas that kind of sometimes can sound like it's empathetic to the other person it can sound like no you don't have a clue what I feel because no one's been through what they've been through except them so it can be much more empathetic to just listen and maybe reflect back what they're feeling or saying I, d I don't I can't even imagine what you're feeling are you feeling such and such Another thing that we do in our role as, as self-others is to walk them through each of the steps, the steps to forgiveness, the steps to um, confession. And we'll maybe need to repeat it a hundred times before it really begins to sink in what exactly forgiveness means, what exactly are we asking our Heavenly Father to do for us in these spiritual transactions that are forgiveness and confession. But we're also training them because not only are we helping them go through each of these topics with us, but we're training them that when the prayer resolution process is all over, they can do this on their own. They can have their own little mini 
prayer resolution sessions, whenever new things crop up, they can handle them on their own because they've over and over and over been trained through us helping them walk through these these steps. So we're, we're constantly teaching them how to be independent. We're working ourselves out of a job, so to speak. But we're trying to bring them focused so that uh, as we walk through these steps, we make sure they don't miss anything important. Sometimes that means we've got to bring them back on track because they can they can wander pretty far and so we need to bring them back. Um, the other thing that they don't know is not only the steps to forgiveness and confession but they may not know the the process itself. What are the topics that are going to be coming up down the road for them? Um, I frequently have people ask me, so where are we? What you know, what What is the next topic that we're going to talk about? And where are we going from here? They don't know exactly where they're going, and so we need to keep this roadmap for them so that they know that we know there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to the prayer resolution process. And that is really another distinctive of the of prayer resolution that is very different from other approaches where it's it's kind of more emotional-based or it's... it's uh, um, based on the actions of somebody or behaviors that they're displaying, we're not addressing it in that way so that it's much more of a, of a process that has a beginning and they can know where we're going and map it along with us and know when we're coming to the end. We're also helping them to be specific. I would think that's maybe one of the more important things of prayer resolution is that they really honestly need help being specific. It's very common for people to to uh, talk about the topic of forgiveness and say, oh, I've already forgiven everybody for everything they've ever done to hurt me. Mm-hmm. Prayer resolution is one of our jobs as a safe helper acting in this priestly role is to help them understand the specifics of what it is we are going to focus our time on. We're applying this sacrifice of Jesus to their exact specific situation. So uh, we're asking them very specific questions and we're witnessing those things that they are praying. So we need to know exactly what we're asking God to do. So part of our role is to clarify exactly what it is we are asking God to do in this situation. We're um, helping them understand what forgiveness is all about, making them understand the power that sin has and some of the effects that came about because of the sin that was committed and strongholds that were, that were developed and built when that all happened. Sometimes patterns are very hard to see when they're a normal part of our life. So one of our roles is to point out patterns that we see coming through as we listen to their story. Um, And when we see those patterns and address them in prayer resolution, then God can break them. But that's part of our role is to have our eyes open so that we're listening not only to what they're saying and what they're maybe avoiding saying so that we can bring those patterns into view. But we want to do this very prayerfully because we need the Holy Spirit to show us those patterns. We, and we, we may um, ask God to break certain strongholds, but God may have other things for us that he wants us to ask him to do. And so as we're doing this prayerfully, He'll bring things up for us that we wouldn't have even thought of. So what are the practical steps that we want to take them through? Um, The first step in each of the topics that we're going to be approaching uh, is accusing. This is sometimes very hard for people to understand. Why would we accuse someone else that doesn't even sound Christian? That sounds like something the enemy does. And so I want to just make some comments about that word accuse because it is a very strong word. And and we use that word over and over in prayer resolution. It's the very first thing that we do is accuse someone. 
But what I like to explain to people is that, yes, we are in the legal court of heaven. And when we go to a legal court here on earth, the first thing that happens is that a charge is brought on on somebody who's in court. And we need to know what those charges are specifically. So it's also the case in prayer resolution. What are the charges that are being brought against whoever needs to be forgiven? And the more specific we can be on that particular charge, the more healing they're going to receive. But it begins with acknowledging what happened. So if they really protest against the word accused because it sounds too strong, I'll allow them to use the word acknowledge. All right, let's just acknowledge what really happened. But then also, what was the cost? And that's something that people maybe have never really put together. So they may think that they've forgiven somebody for the act, the initial thing that was so hurtful. But they haven't considered that there was a cost that went far beyond the original offense that has just a domino effect in their life. And those are things that people don't necessarily understand are connected to the forgiveness process. And it happens here in the accusing, so that we accuse people not only of what the original offense was, but the very total cost to the hurting person. What did it what did it cost in their life? What have they paid? What has we're, we're really defining the debt. What is the debt that this person owes us? Um, sometimes we're there to help them recognize how very wrong the offense was. Because if it's, particularly if it's someone who's very close to them, who's hurt them, a a spouse that they love, a brother, sister that they love, a parent that they love, it's really hard to want to accuse them of something. And so often what we do as humans is we justify what they did. Well, they couldn't help it, or they did the best they could. So in prayer resolution, we don't let them get away with that. We say things like, well, that might be very understandable, but it's not excusable because it was so hurtful to you. So we list it as something that we're going to acknowledge happened and was not ever dealt with properly. So we help them understand and acknowledge what was hurtful. Um, This is maybe a good place to bring up the idea that we are not forensic investigators. And what I mean by that is it's important for us to list the hurtful things that happened to that that hurting one that we are walking this through this process with. We do not in in a in a sense we don't care the reality of what really happened. Maybe the offense happened only in their mind. Maybe the offense was something that as a child they thought happened but it, it didn't really happen. It doesn't make any difference if it happened or if it didn't happen. It was a reality in their life, and so they they still need to forgive that person for what they perceived was the offense, even if it wasn't a reality. We're after the the perceived offense, not the real offense. What we're doing is helping them to define the debt that someone owes them for the offense and the cost of that offense and put it in terms of a debt. This is a debt that this person now owes you. If it was a dollar amount, it would be easier to understand. But in a sense, the, the cost to you is the very debt that they owe you. In other words, you could wait forever and they will never fix what they did. They can never undo the past. They can't Turn back the wheels of time and undo what they did. So you have been paying that cost. And today is the day for you to no longer carry this cost, but to bring it to your Heavenly Father in a court of law so that you can hand it over. But first of all, we have to understand very clearly what the charges are. So this first stage is to help them define the debt and to list the offenses. 
The second thing that we're going to walk them through is the actual step of forgiveness. Not only what are the specific charges, but what are you going to do about those charges now? What does it mean to forgive? And even though you've explained it before and even walked them through the forgiveness process before, for each new offense, for each new person, you may have to explain it again, what, what we're asking our Heavenly Father to do in the forgiveness process. Is a, is a legal transaction. We're actually asking that that God would deal with this person in a just way, that He would handle the justice. So what we're doing is giving up our right to judge them and to be the the executioner in 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 any sense of the the matter. That we are giving up our right to be the judge, so that the real judge can do his job of justice. And that's what forgiveness is, and we're going to help them understand that time and time and time again until it, it really begins to make, um, it's, it's an automatic response to forgive, to understand that that judge is really the one who has the right to bring justice to this situation. We're also explaining to them over and over again the reality that Jesus paid this cost. So this debt that that other person owes you, they can never repay. They, they can't undo the damage that was done. But through the forgiveness process, we are trusting that Jesus paid the debt when he was on the cross so that the debt that was owed to me by my offender, and in their case, the hurting one, in their case, the debt that their offender owes them is now being paid to them, repaid, fixed by Jesus himself and his blood on the cross which is the only thing that could possibly ever fix what was done so that's the legal transaction we're handing over our right to be the judge to the true judge and in the forgiveness process we're trusting by faith that Jesus will repay to do the the, um, restitution that we are owed so that even our sense of justice is fully satisfied And as we explain that to them over and over and over again, it will begin to make much more sense. But we may need to do that in each circumstance as we're walking them through that process. We're also helping them uh, kind of label their prayers so that in the beginning it feels awkward for them they don't know kind of the language to use and that's okay we, um, we're we kind of coaching them a little bit on how to use that particular legal language confession is the next step that we want to bring up and I, I, uh, I will tell them I always ask if there's something that you have done uh in response to your offender who has hurt you so much, um, what is it, if there's anything that you did in response that you now recognize was not God's way to respond? It's a scary question to bring up sometimes because it can feel a little bit abusive or confrontational. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier about being gentle. We have to be gentle. And to remember that we are not the Holy Spirit. It is not our job as as uh, safe others to make them confess anything. We can ask the question if, if there's something that they now recognize was not a proper response to the offense. Um, or even just the unforgiveness process or... What response do you now recognize was not what God had wanted you to respond with, with hatred or revenge or um, hiding or um, any way of dealing with their offense that was not God's way? And we need to allow them to be as specific as possible. Sometimes it can help to just remind them of what they just forgave the other person for doing and and ask them that very question when they did this and this and this uh, was there a response that, that came up in you that you now recognize was not what God wanted sometimes this can be camouflaged um, by 
somebody explaining that I, I know I just really need to forgive myself. And when you question them about that, what they really mean is, I, I, I want to let myself off the hook, but what they really need to do is confess that they have done it in the first place so that God can let them off the hook and put that debt on Jesus. And that's the good news of the gospel, that when we allow them this opportunity to really truly confess what they have done in response to someone else's sin, it can lift an enormous burden off their shoulders. But uh, that confession is uh, that release from that burden of, of debt comes only after confession. The fourth step is to help them to ask for forgiveness, which is different than confessing their sin. Confessing their sin is saying, I did it. Forgiveness is saying, I'm asking my Heavenly Father through the blood of Jesus to forgive me for my sin. I can't fix what I did. And that is tremendously freeing. And that is the good news of the Gospel that never gets old to see Him delighted to forgive them for their sins and to wipe them clean. And we will have the sweet opportunity as safe others to be a witness to that and also to witness it out loud to tell them that you have been forgiven because 1 John 1.9 guarantees it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we repeat that alongside them, that brings huge relief, as it should. That's what I love about the Gospel, is that this is not a fix-it-yourself religion. Jesus is able to fix anything we can break. And that's really good news, isn't it? One of the steps that I carry them through and you will too as you carry them through the accusing and the forgiving and the um, confessing and asking for forgiveness those things are all prerequisites for the emotional healing that a hurting one desperately needs and some other approaches might just skip all four of those steps and go straight for the healing and ask God for healing but God is such a good surgeon. He will not close up a wound until it's been cleansed. And in this same way, God will not heal up our damaged emotions until he has um, walked us through what we need to do first in forgiving those who have offended us and confessing our part in it. Now we're at the, at the place where we can help them pray this prayer of asking that God would remove those harmful emotions from us, which is also another step of faith that we're asking hurting people to do. There have been occasions where uh, people who are hurting have been living so long with resentment, been living so long with depression or anger or um, some other emotion, a, a need for revenge for so long. They're they're not, or even guilt, they're not really ready to give it up. So when we've carried them through this process of forgiveness and confession, um, it's, it's a question to ask them. Are you ready now to give up those emotions that have served you very well to point out your need for forgiveness and confession? But the time for those emotions is over because you've done the necessary work so you no longer need that resentment. You no longer need that depression. You no longer need that anger. So you can hand that over to your Heavenly Father to heal it. And let's do it at this time. Um, so that's the other thing that is, our, is our, uh, in a priestly role. We're asking them the specific questions at this specific time. And that is the correct time to ask that particular question. Another one of our roles is to recognize the wider circle. And what we mean by that is that when we're offended by a person, 
sometimes we're so focused on the offense that that person has done and our anger, our hurt is, is all focused on that one person that we do not recognize that there have been many others who were involved particularly if they were involved in the offense of um, non-action so they omitted an action that they should have done they did not take an action to stop the damage from happening and sometimes when we are offended by someone we don't even understand that the the most hurt came from those who could have done something to stop it and didn't so those people need to be brought into the equation so before we move on to another offense we need to recognize the role that was played by those that were around who could have helped and and chose to do nothing scripture tells us that he who knows the, the right to do and doesn't do it for him it is sin so we need to bring those people to the, the um, accusation court that they would they would face that charge of doing nothing to uh, and they, they need the forgiveness they need to be forgiven just like the person who did the original offense each of these people who omitted doing the right thing also needs to be forgiven and our role as safe others is to recognize the role that others may have played um, that we're not the main characters but in a sense we're just as offensive in each of these steps through accusing or bringing the charge to the heavenly court the actual process of forgiveness the, the confessing of sins and asking for forgiveness each, each one of those steps it can be very effective very helpful to witness their prayers out loud and what I mean by that is to literally say after they have prayed a, a, a prayer of, of forgiveness to witness their prayer by saying something like this Heavenly Father I have, I have heard John as he has confessed um, as he has forgiven his wife Mary for all of these things that, that we have brought to the heavenly court and I witness that he has forgiven her and given up his right to continue to accuse her of these things or to carry out justice on his own but is trusting that by faith you will bring out justice as you see fit that you will not be too harsh or too lenient but he is trusting that you will be the perfect judge in this case and that you will also do justice in his life on Mary's behalf so that uh, even his sense of justice is fully satisfied and there is no longer an offense to be to be carried so when uh, we witness these these things in a witnessing prayer we are establishing a witness of two people and it's kind of astonishing how powerful that is but it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus said in Matthew 20 18, 19 if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for it will be done for them by my Father in heaven and so this witnessing prayer is a very powerful prayer not only emotionally for the person who a hurting person to have us walk alongside them but I, I honestly believe something in the heavenlies changes when we pray that witnessing prayer it's like that's often when the healing comes and in the beginning um, when this this four-step process is still kind of um, not automatic I will put a witnessing prayer after each step maybe later on in the prayer resolution process you won't have to put in quite so many witnessing prayers but I do that especially often in the beginning just to, to help them understand where it is that, that um, what it is that we're witnessing so they help helps them understand the process better taking good notes that's part of our priestly role I don't feel like I'm a particularly wonderful note taker maybe you don't I, I, uh, but it's part of our role to keep track of the process to keep track of what we have asked God to do 
and what we have not maybe done and need to do in the future. So taking good notes is really important. It keeps them on track. It keeps you on track. And um, so however you do it, you got to take good notes. Um, you can do it on an iPad. You can do it on an old, old-fashioned piece of paper, but you need to take good notes. The last thing that I want to talk about is um, as safe others in this priestly role that we're, we're taking as we walk people through this prayer resolution process is that we need to make sure we're doing our own cleansing work. I can't tell you how many times I have been very tempted as I've listened to someone's story that just can break your heart because the stories that we hear in prayer resolution will do that. And as I listen to people's stories and ache with them, I can get so angry in their defense. So when they forgive someone who has offended them, I have to go and forgive that person also because I can get too angry and they walk out of the room totally free from this anger and I'm sitting here in a mess. So it's really important that when they do the work of forgiveness, you as a hurting person are going to have to also do the work of forgiving that offender of of them because you will learn to love these hurting people and to hear their stories will make you angry and you will have to forgive their offender just like they do at the same time. It's important to keep short accounts in your own personal life um, I'm, I'm hoping that each one of you who's taking the training right now will have the opportunity to go through the prayer resolution process for yourself if you have not already done that. Um, but even when you get done with prayer resolution, life still happens and you are still going to run into people who do offensive things. And so you're going to have to constantly be doing your own little prayer resolution pro- uh, cleansing sessions on your own. And to keep those accounts short means that you will have to forgive 70 times 7 every day because that's that's what we're called to do. But you especially need to do that when you're walking someone else through the prayer resolution process. And the last thing I want to address is just to expect that the enemy is going to show up. Yes, when you're working in ministry, and this is a ministry that the enemy takes notice of and he will show up so expect him expect him to before this session expect him during the session expect him after this session before the session you're going to ex- you will see him show up because your hurting one is going to cancel or you're going to get sick or your kids are going to get sick or some emergency will happen so don't be surprised when that happens but pray against it that's that's a weapon that we use is to pray against the enemy showing up in that way um, something will happen in your own life you'll have a, a fight with your spouse or there will be some other way that the enemy will use to point out to you how ineffective you are in your ministry don't listen to him take that one to your heavenly father and constantly be um falling on your face in prayer this is this is a ministry that's going to keep you on your knees and that's where we ought to be anyway expect the enemy to show up in the middle of a session I have had people fall asleep in my sessions because the enemy will literally put them to sleep Um, I will have people who get confused or people who um, have to stop for one reason or another Um, so once again we we pray against that and I I begun to recognize some of those signals that the enemy is especially at work another thing that can happen is that I get very confused and when I get very confused in the middle of a session it's almost a sure sign that the enemy is rearing his ugly head and so I'll actually stop the session and command him to leave us alone and ask that Jesus will clear our minds and clear our heads so that we can understand what it is that we need to be addressing right now without the enemy throwing any confusion into the mix. You can expect the enemy afterwards. Um, You'll be tired. 
and and that's that's because listening and doing this kind of work is is draining but he can tempt you to use that tiredness to keep you off track so once again we need to be on our knees particularly after a session because we will be particularly vulnerable to that tiredness and the last thing I want to say is be careful about how many hurting people you work with at a time and those of you who are my co-workers know that I I have not always done this well and sometimes taken on more people than I should have and it can wear you out so my last little thing that I want to um, address here is just to be very careful that you don't take on a load of hurting people that you really should not because uh, we're not called to, to save everyone who is on our list it's God's job to take care of their needs and and it's just our job to be faithful so do what you know that you can do without getting too burned out Um, so I'm going to hand this the rest of this teaching time tonight to um, Deb Bull and to Mike Banker and I just want to thank you for my opportunity to be here with you tonight thanks again good night